The views, opinions, and content of the show hosts and their guests appearing on America's Web Radio are their own and do not necessarily reflect those of the station. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls of all ages. I am Roger B. This is Locked and Loaded, and you're listening to America's Web Radio. And uh, if you were just listening a moment ago, and uh, On Point with Victor was talking about aliens, the... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the, the illegal ones, but there's also the space ones. And it's like, come on. Now, what's the first thing you're going to do if your son is being indicted for cocaine possession and child pornography and, uh, and, chi- and human trafficking? Release a story that you think is going to be bigger that will take the heat and the attention off of that. So there you go. That's why there's aliens everywhere, because all of a sudden Biden goes, oh, no, if America pays too much attention to what's going on here, then I'm going to get in trouble. My son's going to get in trouble. We'll never get reelected. Of course, I still don't know if he's actually going to run again or not. But if he doesn't, they're going to have to come up with something. What's it? Uh, Kennedy is supposed to be running. Robert Kennedy Jr. is going to be running, I believe. So that's going to be interesting to see if he primaries Biden and if the Democrat Party will get behind him. We do have aliens. Yeah, they're coming across the southern border. (laughs) No, if Robert Kennedy Sr. runs, we do have aliens. Oh, he's convinced that there's aliens on this planet? No, he's dead. Oh, well, who's the guy? One of the Kennedys is running. Robert F. Kennedy Jr. Jr., I said. Kennedy Jr. Oh, no, I thought I said Jr. I know it was a junior because the seniors are all dead. Yeah, no, no, one of the junior Kennedys is running. But, uh, yeah, that would be interesting. I don't know his position on, uh, UFOs or aliens, but in any case, that's why they're doing this. I mean, he thinks it's because, you know, Victor thinks it was because they, we want China to think they have technology. I don't think people realize how closely our economies are tied to China. As much as China wants to spy on us and get information about us and copy our technology, I think most of what they want to do is copy our technology so they can sell it back to us at half the price. That's what they're looking for. They're looking to build their economy based on our economy. If our economy fails, China's economy is not going to be too far behind. Because so many, so many manufactured products we get are coming from China. And that's why the Chinese don't want Donald Trump in there for sure, because he's going to start boosting American manufacturing and American uh, the the American economy, and that's going to hurt China more than Biden cutting down on all this stuff, cutting out on the drilling, cutting cutting out on manufacturing, raising taxes on American companies. It just opens the door for China to come in and do whatever they need to do to take over our economy and sell us more stuff. So it's ah, it's crazy. But uh, I guess we're supposed to be concentrating on the guns and stuff. Since uh, I am by myself today, I will get into the gun stuff a little more. And the first thing I'm going to talk about is it seems odd that they would allow a politician to withhold funding from schools because of his personal opinion, because of his personal politics not based anywhere in any kind of law or any kind of constitutional footing. Biden comes across, he's withholding funding for any schools that have hunting programs. So not only is he going after 
private ownership of weapons, which is a complete violation of the Constitution. He sat there, swore on a Bible that he would uphold the Constitution, and here he is taking rights away from us that are guaranteed by the Second Amendment. And he wants to make every kind of gun he can illegal because he does not want to have armed citizens in his country. He will send billions of dollars to arm every Ukrainian we possibly can, and that's okay. But he doesn't want American citizens to be armed, even though we have the constitutionally guaranteed right to to be exactly that, armed and prepared. But, you know, he doesn't care. All these, all these politicians, every time they swear an oath on the on the Bible, saying they'll uphold the Constitution, then they turn around and violate it, it just gives, goes to show what kind of people they are. No morals, no scruples, no honor whatsoever. They will lie through their teeth to get elected, collect whatever money they can, make whatever deals they can with foreign countries to make, the, make sure their families and themselves are rich beyond belief, and they don't care about the people they represent them. Representing, there's so there's so many that do that every single day. Now there might be a few who tend to lean a little more towards justice and people's rights and things like that, but those guys are so rare, so far, so few and far between. It's hard to tell what the difference is. But you know, when you swear to uphold the Constitution, the Constitution includes the right to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. And by passing restrictions such as assault weapon bans, magazine bans, ammunition taxes, all these are infringing on those rights. But this just goes beyond that even. I mean, he is, how do you withhold federal funding from schools because you don't like the programs that they have? And this is not just guns either. If a school has an archery program, that is considered a hunting program and they will be withheld on federal funding. Which means they talk about this for the children. And what is more important than teaching children the responsibility of dealing with potentially dangerous weapons? You know, you have shop class to teach them about that, which I doubt kids even take anymore. Most kids probably, I, I would love to know the numbers on kids in shop class now versus 30 or 40 years ago. I'm sure it's diminished tremendously because right now the kids aren't as interested in fixing cars or building things out of wood or things like that, things that require actual skill. Now, I'm not saying the computer guys who can do all their computer stuff are not skilled, but sometimes you need basic life skills to start with and then advance into other areas. Now, granted, we have included a lot more skill sets in today's graduates than there's ever been. So you have to give up something. But so they're not going to restrict money from kids who have shop class where they use hammers and saws and drills and things like that, which could be used as weapons. But if there's kids taking an archery class in a school, they're going to get blocked. They're going to block key federal funding that's earmarked for elementary and secondary education. Hunting and archery programs are being blocked in this particular instance. And that's just purely, you know, his opinion. It's crazy that they uh, they do this. Now, I, this may give away my age a little bit, but when I was in college, as a PE class, I took a rifle class where we got to shoot 22 rifles in the basement of the ROTC building where they had a range, a small range, granted, but I think you could get uh, eight or ten shooters in there. And we went once a week, and we shot these 22 rifles on campus. This was not some 
off-site PE class. This was an on-site, on-campus PE class where they had guns, they had ammunition, and they had a range built into the bottom of the building. And it's funny because now, of course, I'm sure if students were aware, I don't even know if it's still functioning or not. I'd be curious to know. If anybody knows, you can send me an email, Roger B. No, Roger at AmericasWebRadio.com. Send it to Roger at AmericasWebRadio.com and tell me, if you're a college student, do you have a rifle class listed in your curriculum? I'd like to know that. And this was available to anybody. It was not just an ROTC program. I was not in ROTC, but I was able to take the rifle class, and it counted as one PE credit, of which I think I needed five to graduate. But I saw that, and I thought, oh, well, that's good, because, you know, I think I have a heads up in that. But no, if you have to ask, I did not come in first in my rifle class. I came in second. This girl who had been shooting competitively for years was in the class, and her and I were head-to-head most of the semester, and she ended up beating me out by a couple points in the very last session. So, yes, I got beat by a girl, but she was very good. Just so you know. Don't count, don't discount anybody because of their gender when it comes to shooting. So, yeah, and it's funny because they don't want these kids to have any education about guns. And I figure education would be the one thing you want to do. Educate people about them so they won't make mistakes with them, so they learn to respect them, so they don't get all their knowledge about guns from the video games they play, where they just shoot up everybody. Now, this is bad also for outdoor programs. You know, imagine, you know, hunting programs have are part of uh, gun safety and have been for, for decades. Gun safety is what they're trying to teach. Archery safety, you know, don't stand in front of the target. Don't draw your weapon back if there's somebody standing in front of you. Make sure the range is clear before you fire your your bow and arrow, your rifle, whatever it is you're, you're dealing with on that particular day. They teach safety. That should be instilled in every child from the time they're old enough to understand it. Otherwise, what's the point of teaching gun safety if you're not going to teach it to the youngest of our of our country? They're the ones who are going to grow up and need to be educated in this kind of thing. And Biden is going to withhold funds from schools that attempt to do that. So, Or the Biden administration is going to mishold, mishandle it. They're going to... Withhold money going in so they're going to mishandle teaching kids gun safety from an early age. What's to keep these kids, if they find a gun in their parents' house or their their friend's parents' house, from not knowing the danger? Teach them the danger in school. Why not? This is a real-life skill. This is something that should be taught in every school. Now, there are some states that actually have programs like this to teach kids about gun safety. Now, I wonder if they're going to pull back on these programs if they're not allowed to get the money that's earmarked for their elementary and secondary schools, are they going to pull back? Are they going to surrender? Are they going to walk away from this, you know, the gun program that they've developed for their school? I don't know. But it's interesting to see that the political machine is moved so far against a constitutional right that they're going to pull funding from schools for anybody who tries to teach kids about gun safety or hunting or archery, whatever it may be, or just even target shooting, any kind of gun or archery use is going to be penalized by not getting funding that's earmarked for their school. So tell me that's a good thing. Tell me that's legal. Can they even do that? Apparently they're going to try, and unless somebody sues them for it, I guess they're going to get away with it. 
So basically, the Biden administration ignores the Constitution whenever they want to. There you go. And like I say, that it, it applies to other areas also. Immigration. A lot of states just ignore immigration laws, and the federal government doesn't do anything to correct it. They just let it go. Same thing with marijuana laws. They're out there. It's a controlled substance, yet they let states do whatever they want with with not regulating it or regulating it but not making it illegal, even though it's a controlled substance according to federal law. So, you know, it's just insane that these states can do whatever they want, except now Biden is going to withhold funding. Now, what if he – could you imagine – let me just twist this a little differently and see how you think about this. What if Biden were to withhold funding from states that decriminalize marijuana? How many people would be up in arms about that? How many people would claim, oh, my God, that's horrific. You can't do that. That's illegal. That is actually more legal than what he's doing here, even though I don't think it's right and he shouldn't do it. But he could essentially withhold fund funding from any state that allows free or distribution of a controlled substances among citizens. And that would be perfectly within his right. Here he's doing something that violates his constitutional obligation. And he's doing it, you know, without any hesitation whatsoever because he doesn't want the citizenry to be armed, even though it is a guaranteed right. I just, I can't say enough about this. This is the kind of thing, if you voted for this man and you're planning on voting for him again, then I can't help but think you don't have a brain in your entire head. How can someone like this, who can barely put two sentences together, and you're talking about Trump being such an awful person. Yes, he's not the greatest speaker. He all he says things he shouldn't. I understand. And he violates people's sensitivities. But this guy's violating your wallet, your bank accounts, your 401ks. He's violating your rights left and right, and you don't seem to care. You're just going to go quietly into that good night. You're just going to let him take more and more until there's nothing left, and you're going to turn around and go, oh, my gosh, what happened? What happened is if good people sit by and do nothing, evil people will thrive. And that's exactly what's going to happen here. He's violating our most basic given rights in the document where all laws for federal all federal laws are drawn from this document called the Constitution, and he's violating it left and right from the Second Amendment on down. And here it comes, people. You know, you wonder how these things happen. How did Germany let this? How did Germany let the Nazis take over? Well, this is it. You let a little bit at a time go by. This bit, that bit. Before you know it, no one's paying attention, and everything just falls apart. They take every right they possibly can in lieu of safety which Ben Franklin warned us about when he said those who are willing to give up essential freedoms for security deserve neither. If you're willing to give up your freedom for some perceived version of security by not funding elementary and secondary schools that have hunting programs or gun safety programs or archery programs, then what are you doing? You don't believe in the Constitution anyway. So when they come and take your First Amendment rights, don't be surprised because it's coming. All right, we'll be back after a couple of messages. I am Roger B. This is Locked and Loaded on America's Web Radio. This is America's Web Radio. Would you like to have a show, talk about your business, or express your opinion? 
on America's Web Radio. Just email gm at americaswebradio.com and we'll get back to you. Thank you. Hello, I'm Dr. Mike Karuchak. Have you ever wondered what doctors talk about amongst themselves? If you do, join us on the Doctor's Lounge and hear the doctor's conversations amongst themselves. Join me and my co-host, Dr. Hal Schertz, every Thursday morning, 8 to 9 a.m. The Docs for Patient Care Foundation is your way to join the fight and become a member of an organization created by doctors for patients dedicated to fighting for your health care freedom and preserving the doctor-patient relationship. Get a pen and paper. Write down www.docsforpatientcarefoundation.org. That's www.docsforpatientcarefoundation.org. Go to our site and please make a generous tax-deductible donation and join the fight today. Thank you. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. And we're back, ladies and gentlemen. Um, right before we left, I was talking about uh, Joe Biden's new or his his um, his administration's new policy of not funding elementary and secondary schools that have hunting, archery, or gun safety programs. And it just goes to show you the Democrats have no interest in gun safety. They have no interest in protecting children from even themselves. This would be the first step in doing that. Teach children about guns so if they run across one, they know how to behave with it. They know how to act. They know what not to do. But instead, the Democrats would rather them shoot themselves so they can take away arms from every law-abiding citizen out there, which I believe is their ultimate goal. Of course they want to disarm the public. Every every single dictator throughout history has done exactly this. And it just looks like they're following along in the same footsteps as all these, uh, I don't know if you'd call them awesome people, but these amazing people who took over countries, ruled them with an iron fist, murdered thousands, hundreds, millions of their citizens in order to maintain power and crush dissent. We're headed down that same road, and it, there's going to be a point when people are going to look back and go, oh, my gosh, how did this happen? How did your generation let this happen? Well, this is it. Right here, right now, it's happening. You still have the power of the vote in your hand, and November is coming up faster than you think, and next year, 2024, when the presidential election comes up, and every single congressman is going to – congressman, woman – person is going to be up for your election it's up to you to find out how they stand on constitutional rights look it up do some research and be careful what you find too because a lot of these websites that have information that certain giant search engines screen for you they will put forth the information they want you to see. You may not get an accurate picture of where these politicians stand on the rights that you deem important. So you're going to have to do it yourself. The British tried this years ago. Give up your guns. We'll take care of you. We'll handle everything. Thank goodness the colonists at the time decided that was not the best way they should do things. They did not want to be taxed. They did not want to be ruled over. They wanted to have a government that let them be free. And unfortunately, the British didn't think their colonies deserved the freedom that their citizens in Britain deserved. So we fought a war. We beat the largest, most powerful empire in the world at the time and gained our freedom. And now 
people are just getting lackadaisical. They're not paying attention. They're getting too busy to watch what's going on, and they're going to let them take our rights all over again. And unfortunately, you can vote your way into socialism or communism or whatever it is you want to do, but you have to fight your way out. You have to shoot your way out. They're not going to give up. Once governments have that much power, they're not going to give it up. But right now, your vote is the most important thing you've got. Pay attention. Do a little research because your life, your wallet, your family's finances, your job, your economics of your household, the freedoms that you pass on to your children and and their children rely on how you vote today. They are going to depend on you making the right choice. So do the research. Take the time. Find out who stands up for your rights. Find out who, when they took an oath on the Constitution or took an oath on the Bible to defend the Constitution, they were telling the truth and they're willing to do that. Because apparently the Biden administration has no interest in upholding an oath that they swore on the Bible. Maybe they just don't believe in the Bible anymore. Or maybe they just don't believe in telling the truth to citizens because they don't think we're smart enough to understand anything. Well, show them that they're wrong, please. I think that would be fantastic. Let them know that they can't just run ramshot all over the Constitution and nobody's going to pay attention. No one's going to notice. The document was designed to protect the rights of individuals more than any other single purpose. It was designed to protect individuals' rights to make sure the government cannot make laws to violate constitutional rights or rights that they deem to be, you know, I guess essential rights. The Bill of Rights. Almost every law in the Bill of Rights is telling the government what they cannot do. They may not restrict the right to assemble. They may not restrict your right to own a gun. They may not restrict being able to allow you to decide whether or not you want to house soldiers in in your house. They cannot restrict whether you can testify against your husband, your wife, or yourself. All these, if you read the Bill of Rights, almost every one of them puts restrictions on the government to what they cannot do. It doesn't give you any rights. It protects the rights that they assume you already have. So get out there. I know it's a long ways off, but start looking around. When you hear a politician speak, listen. Pay attention to what he's saying, and then see if you can verify if what he says is true. See if his voting record holds up for that. Because a lot of these politicians, when it comes down to it, they'll do the research. They'll look around and say, oh, I need to say I stand this way or that way on a certain issue. Oh, well, I'm in a state that's very pro-gun. I need to stand pro-gun until I get in there and start voting against it. Oh, but this is a common sense. This is for the children. Yeah, well, you just violated your oath that you swore to uphold the Constitution. You just violated it. Be aware of this. Pay attention and don't let these politicians get away with it. Hold their feet to the fire. Make them uphold our rights. Now, I also got some other interesting. I saw another interesting story today. It was actually, to me, was fascinating. You know, there's always estimations as to how many guns there are in the country, what percentage of people own them. They do all these statistics trying to figure out how, I guess, politicians need these statistics so they know how they need to vote on gun laws or how they need to stand on gun issues based on these studies that they've done. And there's a lot of estimates of, you know, how many people own guns or, you know, how many guns there are. I think right now they have an estimate of something like 400 million privately held firearms in the United States. 
and that compares to a population of 330 million. So there's obviously more guns than there are people in the United States. Now, the the estimates that they claim say about a third or less of the people own a gun. But now they've done some more research, and they realized they talked to these people with anonymous uh, I guess anonymous information, trying to get information out of them, because a lot of people will lie when it comes to whether or not they own a gun. If they don't feel their neighbors will look at them the same way, if they don't want to get on a government list, if they don't want to, you know, let anybody know where they stand politically, they're going to answer certain questions a certain way to avoid any kind of confrontation. But they were dealing with a sample of 3,500 respondents answered answering about owning a gun or not owning a gun. And they came to the conclusion that the estimates they guess of people who actually own guns who are willing to tell the truth. Like I say, a lot of people will not say that they own one or don't make it a public statement because they're not sure about their neighbors, their coworkers, family members even. They want to have this gun. And now they're saying that there's probably 60% of Americans are gun owners. Now, that makes a huge difference. Now, granted, not every gun owner is a gun rights activist. Some of them just have that one gun they inherited from somebody. That revolver sits in their nightstand, maybe in a holster, probably hasn't been moved in years. But they own it. They have it, and they possess it, and they don't feel strongly enough to get rid of it. They feel like they need it for some reason. They want to hold on to it. And this is the kind of thing. that a lot of these They found out a lot of the people will lie about gun ownership, to avoid a certain stigma that goes along with it that the media and the government has tried to put on anybody who's a gun owner. They try and make gun owners look stupid. They try and make us look like cowards. But yet in reality, we're just people who want to be our own first responder. When you call for the cops and you need them there in seconds and they're minutes away, maybe hours away, What's supposed to stand between you and evil in that time period? Nothing. There's nothing there except you if you can defend your family, your property, yourself. So keep that in mind. Now, in the 60% range, that means that a majority of Americans own or possess a gun. So that's I think that's fantastic. Like I say, the fact that they feel, I guess, threatened by revealing this about themselves is kind of scary. I mean, that, that goes towards a totalitarian government system that intimidates its people into not speaking their minds. And they do a lot of that now. I mean, you saw that when Trump was president. You saw these liberals. It was a Maxine Waters saying, you harass these people. You yell at them. You tell them they're not welcome. That's straight out of Nazi Germany. You, you, you intimidate your competition, your the people who don't stand for the same things you do, you intimidate them, you harass them to where they will not stand up for their opinion or their rights in public. And yet Maxine Waters, no repercussions from this. She called for people to harass and denigrate and make fun of or you know tell people they're not welcome, discriminate against these people, and yet she was not held accountable in the least. So that's why a lot of these gun owners don't come forward and say, oh, yeah, I have a gun. It's, you know, I don't use it much, but I have it, or I know how to use it, or I'm a fan of it. Depends on where they live. Certain states, their neighbors would probably frown upon them and and treat them badly, or it could also make them a victim of crime. If their neighbors were to find out and they have, you know, 
and their neighbors are not the most scrupulous people in the world, they may become victims of crime. People may come in and try and steal that weapon from them. So, I mean, that I understand that's more of a self-preservation thing, and that's a personal choice. But when you're persecuted for the fact that you stand up for a constitutional right, that is fascist. From beginning to end, there's no no two ways about it. That's a fascist way of running things. That's, that's the Nazi way of doing things. Intimidate your opponents, scare them, discriminate against them, make them feel like they are unsafe if they speak their mind on their opinion. And especially when their opinion goes along with the Constitution, the law of the land, and you can't even stand up for your own rights, that's fascist, it's Nazism, whatever you want to call it. It's illegal in this country, and yet politicians themselves are getting away with it. They are calling for people to discriminate against people who stand against them because of their difference in opinion. They have zero tolerance for anyone who doesn't believe in the same Kool-Aid that they believe in. So again, make sure you get your information, do your research, find out who you need to vote for, who will defend your rights. Maybe we can put ourselves back on track. Right now, the ballot box is still your best way to do that. And I don't know any other way to do it better than that at the moment. So let's take advantage of this. And even if you haven't voted in 10 years, get registered. Make sure your registration is current. Do what you have to do. And don't think your vote doesn't matter. Because with you, when you say that, you got to realize... There's 100,000 people saying the same thing. And when you all stand down, you're letting them run run all over the people who want to stand up for the Constitution. Stand up for the Constitution. Stand up for your rights. Stand up for your beliefs. And even if they differ from your neighbors, don't be afraid to voice your opinion. If they intimidate you, if they harass you, they're the ones who are evil. They're the ones who will not stand up for rights that this country has guaranteed to all its citizens. There was once a French uh, philosopher who said, I may disagree with what you say, but I will fight to the death, fight to the death for your right to say it. Meaning you have the right to stand up for yourself, voice your opinion, and not be harassed or discriminated against for it, especially by politicians. They should be the least likely to call for your harassment or discrimination. But yet it's been done and it's been recorded. You can look it up. You can see how these politicians call for discrimination and harassment of regular citizens because they disagree with their policies, because they disagree with their opinions. And you know what? Eventually, if this isn't corrected soon, it's going to be corrected. I hope it never comes to the point where there needs to be violence in order to correct things. That's not what I want. It's not what I would wish on any country. Hopefully we can fix it before that. But... Like I say, never before have more people from the United States fled to other countries looking for freedom, looking for economic advantages than they have since Obama took office in 2008. When he took office in 2008, that first four years he was in office, more people became expatriates than any other time in U.S. history. So keep that in mind. Don't be scared into giving up your citizenship or moving somewhere else to try and find freedom. The United States should always be the biggest, most exemplary example of what is freedom, what freedom is, what it stands for, what it means to ordinary citizens. I mean, we were founded on these principles. 
and the politicians have to stand up for these principles they swore an oath to uphold. All right, so be careful. You know, I understand some people don't want to say things in front of certain people because they're afraid of being harassed. Well, you know what? Stand up for your rights. Tell people your rights are there and tell them if the Second Amendment's not there, then their First Amendment rights are they're crumbling already. Once you get rid of the Second Amendment, the First Amendment is next on the list. If you can't defend yourself, your family, your property against evil, against people willing to do you wrong or commit crimes against you, then how can you possibly stand up and say things that go against what the politicians want for you or go against politicians who have different opinions than you? Whether they be right, wrong, or just different, they should not be able to call for discrimination to stifle you in these cases. Oh, I just had to get that out of the way. <laughs> but now, for you gun owners, I've been working on this um, list of things that we were going to do to our Air-15s to improve them. And I think I'll have enough time to get through the entire list today. There were a few things that were in here that we started with the last couple of weeks, so I'll just kind of briefly go over a few of those. I remember we had... Um, First thing you want to do is maybe change some of the furniture on your weapon. And by a safe furniture, I mean the handguard, the pistol grip, the stock. These are all pieces that are easily changed out and add to the ergonomics and add to the ability of ease of function in an AR-15. Why an AR-15? Because it is the most common rifle in the United States. It's also the most available rifle with the most amount of options with it, and it's also relatively easy to fire. It doesn't have a huge recoil like a lot of guns do. And it's so common, parts, accessories, and ammunition are all readily available for it. So if you want to get into owning a rifle somehow and you never had one before, or if you just want to own a rifle and don't want to have a pistol first, look at the AR-15, and I would suggest a very standard caliber, the 5.56 caliber, and real quickly, the 223 and the 5.56 are not exactly the same. You can fire a 223 and a 5.56, but not the other way around. You're not supposed to fire 5.56 ammo in a 223 chamber. Most guns, at least recent ones, have been made with a 5.56 chamber, and there's a variation or two out there like the, um, uh, the 223 Wild, which is a combination of the two cartridges. That will allow you to fire either with greater accuracy than just one. But if you have a choice and there's only one option, get the 5.56. Avoid the 223 Remington chamber in an AR-15 configuration. Then go about making it your own. Go about making it easier for you to use, making it more effective, making it more comfortable for you to shoot. If it's more comfortable for you to shoot, you'll shoot it more. The more you shoot it, the more comfortable you're going to get with it. The more efficient you're going to get, the more proficient you're going to get. So, okay, your furniture, your grip, your stock, and your handguard. The stock ones on the Air 15 are fine. They function. They work. However, if you want to increase your functionality, then get a handguard that maybe has some Picatinny rails on it. Now, not all over it because that would be difficult to hold on to. The new ones have slots in them. And M-locks is what they're called. And the M-locks give you the option to put rails in certain spots where you couldn't before. So that way you can make adjustments. You can customize this weapon to suit your needs. You want a laser. You want a light. You want both. 
you can put them on your handguard if you get an aftermarket handguard with M-Locks. That way you can put it where you want it. You can move it if you don't like where it is. You can modify it, change the light, change the laser, change the sighting system. Those are things you want to do. That's why you want to change your furniture. You want to change your furniture to get more flexibility. And a grip, you can change the grip for something a little more ergonomic, a little more comfortable. And they even have some that are at different angles now because certain people find a straighter angle more comfortable than more one that's more swept back. So take a look at these and see. Do some research. Look at it. A furniture available with a Picatinny rail is always going to give you more flexibility to mount accessories, whether it be a light, a laser, a foregrip, things like that. That's going to be something you want to look into. Next is going to be optics or sights or a way to line up the weapon on your target. Now this is a huge, there are a huge range of ways to go with this. The standard iron sights that have been available on most AR-15s from the factory are no longer in that position. You can buy so many AR-15, AR-15s right now with no sights on them whatsoever. Whether fixed or glass or lasered, they have no optics whatsoever, no sights whatsoever. So basically the weapon is, I wouldn't say useless, but much less useless than if you put sights on it. And if you just want the basic open sights, put them on there, do something. But the options are tremendous. You can get lasers. Now, once a laser is sighted, now in order to have a laser, you need to have, generally speaking, you need at least iron sights to line it up get it sighted, and then line up the laser wherever the iron sights are lined up. Now, people would say, oh, a laser is such a toy. It's like, well, if it's built properly, it will hold up, and also it gives you an instinctual shooting that you don't get with iron sights. You can hold the weapon in any position, and wherever that laser is hitting, that's where your bullet is going to impact. So it does give you an advantage in speed that you can't get with almost anything else. And I know a lot of people don't like them because, you know, one thing about a laser in the dark, it's traceable both ways. You can see where it's coming from. You can see where it's going. So not only do you light your target up with a laser, but it lights you up as well. So be aware of that. And if you're using it in that situation, make sure it's got an on-off switch that you can control and turn on and off with just a flick of a finger or push of a button. So while you're using it, you can turn it on and off. So you can't be tracked as easily if you're ha- if you're using one, and they do have the advantage of having almost instant accuracy if you put that laser where it needs to go. And then there's optics. Generally, the optics are going to give you better range with your AR-15. You're going to be able to reach out further because the 5.56 is effective out to over 600 yards. Now, whether most people can shoot it accurately at that range. That's debatable. But still, anything over probably 50 to 100 yards for most people is going to be difficult to use iron sights and get precise hits with. You might be able to hit a man-sized target at 200 yards with iron sights, but if you want to get more precise than that, you're going to need optics. You're going to need magnified optics. Now, you can put any kind of scope on an AR-15. You can put it on almost any other rifle, and it will increase your range dramatically because if you, you can't hit what you can't see. And if you magnify your target, you're going to be able to see it that much better, that much faster, and be able to acquire shots that much quicker at at distance. That's the biggest advantage of a rifle over a pistol. You have range. 
you can get out there. You can reach out and touch someone with a rifle much easier than you can with a pistol. Now, there are, of course, people who are prodigies with a pistol, and they will show you things that you wouldn't even think possible with a rifle. But they are the exception and not the rule. In fact, I was doing a uh, a Marine Corps qual course, and one of the things the instructor was telling us, he said, you use your pistol to fight your way to your rifle. <laughs> Your rifle is your primary weapon. Another reason to consider getting a rifle. You know, if you only have a handgun now, you're limited in some respect in range. Now, if you're in a fully urban environment, a rifle may be more difficult to use. But if you get any kind of range more than 50 or 100 yards, that rifle is going to give you a statistical advantage that will be unmatched. So you want to be able to see. Now, when it comes to scopes with magnification... They, some of them are the less expensive ones. They're going to start probably at two to three power and go up to whatever power you want, 20, 30, 40. Some of them are even fixed power. When a variable optic, you get a range. So that gives you a closer range to a further range and be able to see. Because if you have a high magnification at close range, it's very difficult to get your target in that scope. And the latest thing they've come out with, probably in the last uh, 15 to 20 years, is what they call LPVOs. LPVO is low power variable optic. The low power variable, op- variable optic usually starts at 1x magnification. Now you may wonder, 1x, what's that? That is zero magnification at the lowest setting. So basically you're looking through a piece of glass, you see the crosshair, or if you get a lit crosshair, which I highly recommend, because if you're shooting in dusk, dawn, or in the evening, you're not going to see that black reticle against a dark target. A friend of mine was doing this. I recommended him get the lit reticle. He goes, oh, I don't need it. I know how to shoot. And then the first time he went out hog hunting, he ran across a situation where it was kind of dark. The pigs were dark. His reticle was black. He couldn't see, he couldn't see his reticle inside his scope and he had no way to illuminate it. But, you know, he kind of centered it the best he could in the full circle, and he made a shot, and he ended up, I think he shot twice and got his target down. But, yeah, if you have that lit reticle, you can adjust it in intensity. And also, at low power, it acts like a red dot sight. Now, a red dot sight is something that has one single point of fire and zero magnification. They're very popular on pistols right now, especially because they don't have any magnification. So you use them with both eyes open in an ideal situation. So it gives you increased peripheral view. Now that's one thing about the low power variable optic is that the one X setting, it acts like a red dot sight. Now the, the advantage of a red dot sight, no magnification, but it has a reticle inside of it, but it has no magnification, so it's extremely tiny. These things are a couple inches across, maybe an inch high. You can put them on pistols, rifles, anything. And they're small, they're light. A lot of them are very durable, and they just give you a slight advantage over having open sights. Now, granted, any type of added optic or any sight you put on a gun that wasn't sighted in is going to be useless. You need to take the time to make sure the iron sights, the variable optic, or the red dot sight has been sighted in properly. It needs to hit what you're aiming at or it's useless. So that's got to be something that has to be done with any kind of sights. 
So, and if you don't know how, find somebody who can teach you, watch YouTube videos, figure it out because sighting is probably one of the most important things once you get the weapon and whatever optic or sight or red dot that you're looking for. So on a variable optic, you have a potential to have a basically a red dot and a scope in one. Now these all will start at 1x, and I think the highest I've seen is up to 12, from 1 to 12x. Now at 12x, you could be out four or 500 yards and get a clear vision of your target. Now granted, the higher the range of the LPVO, the more distortion you may find along the way, especially at the lower power settings. And the LPVO is probably the most expensive choice when it comes to an optic for an AR. Now you can start small, get a 1x to 4x, and that should give you some magnification out past 100 yards and still give you the 1x optic. And if you make sure you get a lit reticle, it acts like a red dot also. That's probably one of the most important things to choose when you're choosing your AR-15 is getting a sight or an optic that you like, that you can use, that you can see well out of. And I guess getting into scopes would be a whole different world, but find one that works for you. And I personally like the LPVO. The disadvantage of them, they are heavy. They are bigger. They're much harder to conceal, I guess, or to move around corners and things because they are big. They add weight to the weapon. If you're carrying this weapon all day, that scope is going to add more weight than a red dot or even iron sights. Now, the red dots these days and the... The scopes that have lit reticles rely on batteries. I think there's one company out there that has a tritium-based reticle that will light up in the dark or when at dusk or dawn or dark, and it doesn't require batteries, and the tritium should be good for 12 to 15 years. Tritium is just radioactive hydrogen that is put into glass, and the glass itself actually protects the user from any radiation from the radioactive hydrogen. But you get that radioactive hydrogen in there, it will light up, but it does have a limited lifespan. But now a lot of these batteries, though, have amazing lifespans in some of these optics. There's, uh, I think they have the red dot sights that have solar panels on them to help charge a battery while it's in your gun, or it uses the solar panels to power the reticle when it's not using the battery. And that's, I mean, I've seen battery, battery lives of over a thousand, two thousand hours. So, and these batteries are small, little watch batteries normally. The original red dot optics had double A's or triple A's inside them, but the new ones use these little watch batteries and they will last for a thousand hours. Now granted, most of them have auto shut off. If that weapon doesn't move for five, ten, fifteen minutes, it will shut the, the sight off to preserve the battery. So if you're looking through a scope for a long time, with a sight like this, you may have to jog it now and then just to wake it up, so to speak. Quote, unquote, wake it up. Because it, the red dot will disappear if if they have this auto shut off feature. So go through and look. I mean, red dot sight, sights can be had for as little as $100 on up to eight, nine, twelve hundred $1,200 for some of the ones with tritium built in. Or, uh, you know, higher quality glass, higher quality optical controls, electronics, all that stuff. You know, like anything, you get what you pay for. And they say, you buy the the good one to start with, you cry once. You buy the cheapest one, you're going to cry twice or three times or four times. So the idea is pay a little more, get a good quality optic, cry once because you paid for an expensive optic. But it'll make a world of difference in your shooting, especially 
if you're over probably 35 or 40 and your eyes aren't what they used to be, that optic puts everything in the same plane. So basically, you don't have to worry about focusing on a target and focusing on your sights at the same time, which most people above that age have trouble doing. So keep that in mind. Now, other accessories, the next thing I would probably do on my AR-15 is I would enhance the trigger. The trigger on a standard gun is probably about five to six pounds somewhere. If you get lucky, you can find one of the military spec ones that runs in under five pounds. But the trigger makes a huge difference because you got to figure out you're pulling five to six pounds on a gun that weighs maybe seven, eight, nine pounds. So more than half the weighted weapon you have to pull to get that trigger to, to send that bullet. And what that does is make you more unstable by having to put that much pressure on that trigger and still hold the gun still. A good weight for a custom trigger that will keep you safe and yet still will give you the advantage of having a lighter trigger is about three and a half pounds. That tends to be the standard. Now they make target triggers that go down to two, two and a half pounds. I don't recommend those for a standard duty weapon. That's more of a target-only weapon because they are a lot more sensitive and much easier to have a misfire with something like that. But, of course, follow the rules of gun safety. Keep your finger off that trigger until you are ready to fire. Most important, do not shoot at anything you do not intend to destroy. Don't aim your rifle at anything you don't intend to shoot at. But, yeah, that that's a story for another day. But, yeah, so you get these optics. You put it on the gun. The next thing you want to do is adjust that trigger down. And there's there's factors in a trigger that make a difference. Not only the weight, because you can have a weight, a low weight on a trigger, and it can still be gritty. It can still have a lot of uh, creep to it. Creep is the amount of distance that will go when you between the time you apply pressure to the trigger, the amount of movement it has before it releases the sear. That's going to be your creep. Now, there is such thing as a two-stage trigger, which has a deliberate amount of easy light trigger built in until it hits a wall, so to speak, that enables it to fire from that point. It just adds a little safety, and it gives you a little bit of, I guess, increased control. And then you also don't want a lot of over-travel, meaning after the trigger breaks and fires the bullet, you don't want to have the trigger travel too far back after the bullet breaks. And then you have reset. Now, if you want to test your reset on a gun, you're going to rack it. You're going to check it, make sure it's not loaded. You're going to pull that trigger, keep the trigger pulled back, rack the weapon again, and then as you release the trigger, you're going to feel the snap when it resets. That's the reset. You're going to feel how far it has to go, how smooth it is. You want it to be smooth, but you want it to be tactile also, meaning you want to be able to feel that snap through your trigger finger, or you also want to be able to hear it too. You want to be able to hear the snap and feel the snap. It's just a little click as that trigger resets on the sear. And when that happens, if it's clean and crisp and happens quickly, you know, some guns have resets of like, you know, three sixteenths of an inch eighth of an inch it's tiny the the amount the trigger has to move forward to reset to fire again so depending on the type of work you're using but a lot of the triggers come in pre i guess you call them prefabbed units all the triggers assembled it just drops in put the two pins in it's in place that's all you have to do so basically if you can pull the pins out of your air 15 and put them back in that's all you have to do in order to put one of these trigger units in. And they range anywhere from 100 to $400, depending on how specific you are. If you want two-stage, if you want a flat trigger, you want a curved trigger. 
There's a lot of options here, but even an uh, inexpensive trigger, if it's an add-on uh, contained unit trigger will be better than almost any factory trigger unless it's an upgraded trigger from the factory. So keep that in mind also. That's something to do. The trigger is probably your second most important thing once you put sights on it. And, of course, to me, the variable optic is going to be the number one choice because it gives you the longest range. It gives you the most flexibility because it will act like a red dot at zero power. And you have the variability to go up to two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, as far as you go in order to get your eye to focus easier. Because if you don't have a good sight picture, you don't have good sights, you don't have a good scope or red dot, you're not going to be able to hit what you aim at. And that's the most important thing of shooting is hitting your target. No matter what, you want to hit your target. Number one priority. What do you need to do that? Sights and a smooth trigger. And, of course, you want a reliable gun also, and the AR-15 is renowned for its reliability now. It had issues when it first came out, and you may hear some old-timers talking about that, that, oh, they're not reliable, the AK was more reliable. Well, the AK would function full of mud, but it would manage to group about 12 inches at 100 yards, while the AR would do one inch at 100 yards. So, well, maybe two or three, but still, considerably more accurate in the old days, much more accurate now. There's AR platforms that are capable of under one minute of angle, meaning under one inch groups at 100 yards, two inch groups at 200 yards. Now, of course, that would be another upgrade if you wanted to get into that. If you want to upgrade your bolt carrier group, this is the bolt that contains the firing pin, the firing pin spring, and it contains the bolt which holds the cartridge in place in the chamber it has the extractor and the ejector built into it you can get more precise versions of these and they can help your weapon function better but i think if i was going to replace any main components i think a barrel would be one of the first things i'd want to look at something with a more precise chamber and then it also, if you have a chrome-plated chamber or a chrome-plated bolt carrier group, that will increase your reliability. Even a stainless steel barrel is good, too. It helps prevent rust. If you're not good about cleaning your weapon every time, then a stainless steel barrel will uh, will give you a little more flexibility in your cleaning schedule. Assuming you're using modern cartridges with you know, smokeless and non-corrosive powder, you'll be able to get longer times between cleaning and still maintain your accuracy. Now, a lot of guys shooting rifles in modern day will not clean their rifle on purpose because when you clean your rifle, you basically end up with a slick bore that's covered in oil, which means that first shot coming out of there is not going to be the most accurate or necessarily even on target. So a lot of these guys who shoot competitions will shoot their guns, shoot them, shoot them until they get so dirty they start losing accuracy. At that point, they clean them and start over, or some of them replace a barrel. Now, AR-15 parts are also generally some of the least expensive rifle parts you can get. They are available in a huge variety of colors and styles and uh, durability, things like that. So if you want to customize a gun, you can get different color bolt carriers, different color barrels, different color hand guards, and you can get scopes and optics to match all those colors. So, you know, that may be more your wife's department, I don't know, or girlfriend's department to pick the color of your gun. 
but just something to consider. Now, another thing, the story I was reading mentioned one other option. It is a, um, what do I call it? It's a uh, contained recoil unit. What it does is in the AR-15s, you have a buffer and you have a spring. The spring is just a big kind of two-foot spring that kind of, clangs around in there and it's concealed inside the buffer tube but you hear it when you fire that you hear that spring twang inside there the replacement for that includes a piston that's oil dampened so it dampens the recoil of the bolt carrier group with oil or air or something other than that giant spring it actually, when you fire an AR-15 for the first time, if you have your ear against the stock, when you fire it, you'll hear the twang of the spring every time you fire it. And it's a little, for some people, it's a little unnerving, but that is natural. That is how the weapon is designed. What the captured spring does is put it all in one unit and give it more consistency by allowing a piston to go into a unit to have either oil pressure, air pressure, something that gives it very consistent recoil control, and it quiets it down tremendously. So that's just one more option you could have if you're going to go beyond beyond your trigger, beyond your sights, and beyond your bolt carrier group and barrel. Those will help improve accuracy. The capture spring is more just to increase durability a little bit because it is precisely controlled. And it also makes it a little more comfortable to shoot because you don't have this odd twanging noise in your ear every time you fire a shot with an AR-15. And then, of course, when you go buy your AR-15, you're going to have to go look at all the options they have. Some will come with sights. Some will come with upgraded triggers. Some will come, you know, with captured springs in the recoil control unit. All these things are options you can get from a gun from the factory. But if you want to do it yourself, build it your way, then buy the basic weapon and start putting it together. And I think I mentioned at the at the uh, beginning of this a few weeks ago when I first started talking about this, that if you buy your weapon in parts, meaning you buy the lower and the upper separately, you will save money because the 11% excise tax just applies to the lower half of the, gu- of the weapon because that is considered the serialized gun part is the lower receiver on an AR-15. The rest of it, the upper, is not considered gun, so you save 11% federal tax on buying that separately. And it is extremely simple to put together. If you can field strip the weapon for cleaning, you can assemble an AR-15 from a lower and upper half, as long as they are completely assembled lower and upper halves. All right, so go out there, do a little shopping. If you got some tax money back, if you saved some money, if your kid got a scholarship, it's time to buy a new rifle. Get on out there and take a look. And you'll probably be overwhelmed by the choices because they are many And it is fast and furious out there when it comes to improvements and availability of accessories for your AR-15. Upgrade the optics to the best you can. Upgrade a trigger and go shoot. Then buy ammo and become proficient. All right. I guess we're going to have to call it a day for today. You have been listening to Locked and Loaded. I am Roger B. And this is America's Web Radio. The views, opinions, and content of the show hosts and their guests appearing on America's Web Radio are their own and do not necessarily reflect those of the station. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening.